is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. A former White House press secretary, Gene Psaki, turned MSNBC host, has bashed the new Republican Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, for, quote, being a religious fundamentalist on her show. She said, first glance, Mike Johnson does seem fine, even though he's conservative. But then she played a clip of Johnson describing himself as a Bible-believing Christian. He said, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? He said in the clip, and he said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's my worldview. You're right, said Jen Psaki. The Bible doesn't just inform his worldview, it is his worldview. So Psaki warned her audience that Johnson is a scary speaker. She said it's not just his political ideology that should scare us. Johnson said he is basically a Christian fundamentalist. And Bill Maher compared the new speaker, Mike Johnson, to the main shooter. He said their differences are thinner than you think. Friends, welcome to Viewpoint. While conservatives have praised Johnson for wearing his Christianity on his sleeve, some liberals argued that he is offending the Constitution and the New Testament with his appeal to God inside the House chamber, nonetheless. Speaking to Congress following his election, Johnson declared, I don't believe there are any coincidence in a matter like this. I believe that Scripture and the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each one of you, all of us, And I believe God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment and this time. That, he said, is my belief. I believe also that each one of us has a huge responsibility today to use the gifts that God has given us to serve the extraordinary people of this great country, and they deserve it, he added. And as if that were not enough, then, Representative Mike Johnson, Republican of Louisiana, is the right choice, as the new House Speaker said, Representative Mark Alford of Missouri. Alford said that Johnson is the right man for the job. He has the heart of God and the mind of Christ. He is a servant leader and is able to bring everyone together. Well, that's the good news. The bad news is that persecution is rising dramatically even from such voices as the former speaker for the President of the United States, Jen Psaki, ridiculing, mocking a true Christian and calling him scary, as if somehow he is akin to a Muslim fundamentalist who has dedicated themselves to destroying all Jews and all Christians, and in fact, all people who will not submit to Sharia law. That's the tension that we find ourselves in today, in America and around the world. And so, for the balance of the program here today, we're going to take a look not at the Speaker of the House, 
but we're going to talk and look at the speaking that is taking place around the world, arising out of the Hamas attack against Israel. We're going to see how this is exploding and revealing what is truly inside the minds and hearts of people and the leaders of our world. You'll want to stay tuned. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Netanyahu has called for a ceasefire. Actually, he says the calls for the ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender. He says we'll never call for a ceasefire. He says the Bible says there is a time for peace and a time for war, and this is a time for war. Benjamin Netanyahu delivered an address to the international media tonight, Monday, on the war between Israel and the Hamas terrorist organization. He said until recently, many believed that the promise of progress in the 21st century would allow us to move beyond the barbaric horrors of the past towards a better and brilliant future. Many believed that we could go about our comfortable lives and that evil will simply pass us by. It will not, he said. The horrors that Hamas perpetrated on October 7th remind us that we will not realize the promise of a better future unless we, the civilized world, are willing to fight the barbarians because the barbarians are willing to fight us. He said their goal is clear. Usher in a world of fear and darkness. This, he said, is a turning point. A turning point for leaders and nations to decide if we are willing to fight for a future of hope and promise or surrender to tyranny. Rest assured, he said, Israel will fight. He went on to say, today we draw a line between civilization and barbarism. He stated that Israel would not agree to a ceasefire with Hamas after the massacre of so many. Calls for a ceasefire are calls to Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terrorism, to surrender to barbarism. This will not happen, he said. The Bible says there is a time for peace, and there is a time for war, and this is the time for war. Is this the time for war, friends? That's the question for us here today. Is this the time for war? What would your answer be? You see, the war is not just with Hamas. Hamas represents only one aspect of the greater war in our world. We have a war going on right here in the United States. A war between godless Democrats and God-fearing Republicans. Not every Democrat is not God-fearing, and not every Republican is God-fearing. But in general, we have a war. It is a spiritual war that's reflected in political battles. Fundamentally, it's a spiritual war. When we look across the world, we find that the war is a spiritual war. That's what Jen Psaki was actually saying about the new Speaker of the House. She despises his Christianity. She despises his Christianity. Maybe she was an appropriate spokesperson for the Democrat uh, president of the United States. 
because she was expressing the very sentiments that the Democrat Party embrace. Going all the way back to their convention in 2012, when they mocked God, they refused to use the word God in the context of their convention, they actually booed God. That was in this country. So if we have an entire convention booing God in this country, and it represents half of the country, what does that tell us about the fundamental divide and the battle going on in our world? Is it just Hamas? No. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The word Hamas in the Hebrew means violence or violent. I want you to consider that for a moment. The word Hamas is the Hebrew word for violence or violent. What we're seeing here is not only violence being perpetrated by a group identified, self-identified as Hamas, but we're also seeing the very spirit of that all throughout the world. We're seeing it everywhere. And it's taking on different faces. It's wearing different clothes to mask its identity, but it's spiritual violence that is taking place everywhere. And Jen Psaki expressed that in her quasi-civilized fashion as a host on MSNBC which tells a lot about that particular network, doesn't it? They despise the Christian faith. They despise Bible-believing Christians. That's why they gather together the voices that they have there on that network. Birds of a feather flock together. Benjamin Netanyahu stated, as recorded in the Jerusalem Post today, we've made it clear that we're not only fighting our war, but also their war. Because if Hamas is not defeated, then the axis of evil will win. Well, what is this axis of evil that he's talking about? George Bush talked about an axis of evil with uh, North Korea and Iran and, uh, what was the other one? Russia? The axis of evil? Well, the problem is, The axis of evil is evil no matter where you find it. The axis of evil is Satan, the deceiver, the destroyer at the heart of it. It is He is God's arch enemy, and he will foster and foment whatever violence he can concoct anywhere in the world to frustrate, attempt to frustrate God's intentions in the earth and for 
prophecy to be fulfilled. If God says, I have called the Jewish people as my chosen people, then he will do everything he can to frustrate the fulfillment of that. He'll destroy them. And that's what Hamas intends to do. Wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth by their own declaration. By their own declaration. Not by accusations coming from outside, but from their own declarations. And out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth speaks. Therefore, they are a spokespersons for Satan himself, because Satan opposes God's viewpoint. God's viewpoint is, I chose them, regardless of what you think about them, I chose Israel, I chose the Jewish people to be uh, the apple of my eye, and I am going to bless them, I will bless those that bless them, and curse those that curse them, and that's what's happening. It's not a mystery, friends. It just is not a mystery. And contrary to what Benjamin Netanyahu is expressing, the mere destruction of Hamas there in uh, Gaza is not going to end the violence. It will only end that representation of the violence. But the violence will continue because Satan is not finished. God is not finished yet, and Satan is not finished yet. He comes about to steal, to kill, and destroy. And destruction is his modus operandi now. He's tried to steal, he's tried to kill, and now he's here to destroy. To destroy everything and anything that will stand in his way to rule and reign from the Temple Mount. So, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, told his government today, on the 24th day of the war, as the call for ceasefire grew, even in the United States, even in the United States, he said, if the axis of evil wins, the free world will lose. The Western world and the entire Arab world will lose, he said, and humanity will face a great threat. In addition to that, he said, Israel has worked with the U.S. to allow a certain amount of humanitarian aid to enter Gaza through Egypt's Rafah crossing, which, by the way, Hamas has resisted. They do not want the humanitarian aid to truly come in because that would defeat their purpose, and that is to use the Palestinian people there as, shall we say, virtual hostages to continue to claim that Israel is treating them unfairly and harshly, and therefore to drive the agenda against Israel continually throughout Europe and uh, throughout the Muslim world. So, where is this going? How deep is this? Well, we find out. You possibly have heard about the Muslims, Russian Muslims, seeking to lynch Israeli passengers at their airport. It was a flight from Tel Aviv to Russia's Dagestan Republic in the North Caucasus along the Caspian Sea, which was forced to redirect Sunday after pro-Hamas rioters stormed the airport seeking to lynch Jewish travelers. 
hundreds of rioters overran the airport located at the capital of the Muslim-majority region of Russia. Speaking about that, Russia is about 20% Islam Muslim. You need to understand that. It has a lot to do with their geopolitics. The Palestinian flags were raised there uh, at the airport, and the shouts of Allahu Akbar, God is great, as they searched the terminals for Israeli passengers. Other videos show Muslim protesters stopping vehicles in the area to ask motorists if they were transporting tourists from the Jewish state. They said, their words, we came for the Jews to kill them with a knife and shoot them. Is there any anything mysterious about that that we do not understand? That was in Russia. Then came this report. All Israelis should receive the Russian airport treatment. That came from a journalist. His name is Dili Hussein. He accused Israel of being an apartheid terrorist entity which burns and decapitates babies, kidnaps children, and rapes women. Now, where did he get that information from? It's just contrary to truth, contrary to history, but it's the propaganda that they receive and continually to give to their children and children's children there in Gaza and throughout the Islamic world. Dili Hussein, an influential Islamic media figure, posted the video of a Russian airport being stormed by pro-Palestinian protesters looking to attack people coming in from a flight originating from Israel. He said, this is the kind of welcome all Israelis should be receiving at the airports of Muslim-majority countries. So what do you say? What does this lead you to believe? Well, we're not through yet. Mr. Erdogan has gotten into the picture big time. As you know, uh, the Turkish president, Erdogan, has had a dedicated effort over the past 20 years since he has been in office to change the government of Turkey from a secular government to a fundamentalist Islamic government. That's his goal. His vision is to restore the ancient Ottoman Empire that once ruled Israel, Jerusalem, and much of the then-known world for about 400 years. That's his goal. That's his vision. And as we say regularly here on this program, viewpoint determines destiny. It does. And that's his viewpoint. So he's come out and praised Hamas. Erdogan, who had seemingly warmed up to Israel a little bit in recent years, has regularly met with the leaders of Hamas, a terrorist organization. He speaks, he he spoke during a rally in solidarity with the Palestinians in Gaza amid the ongoing conflict between Israel and the Palestinian Islamist group Hamas. He spoke there on October 28th in Istanbul 
Anti-Semitic incidents have taken place beyond Istanbul also. In Izmir, a city once home to tens of thousands of Jews, a synagogue was defaced with graffiti that read these words, Murderer Israel. That was on Saturday. The Turkish president, Erdogan, who has had this up-and-down relationship with Israel over the course of his 20 years as Turkey's head of state, has come out firmly defending Hamas, calling the terrorist organization, quote, a liberation group, unquote. In response, Israel, Israel recalled its diplomats from Turkey on Saturday. There's no love lost there. It's Islam versus the Jews. Anti-Semitic rhetoric has spread throughout Turkish politics, too. A politician from Turkey's ruling AKP party said at a public hearing that he was praying for the soul of Hitler, adding that the world will find peace when it is cleansed of Jews and that the Holocaust was unfinished. Unfinished. Friends, are you beginning to get the picture? Satan, God's arch enemy, Christ's arch enemy, is doing what he can to stir up humanity with maximized hatred against a people that God chose and declared to be the apple of his eye. Regardless of whether you and I agree with everything that Israel does, that's not the point. God will hold them accountable, just like he doesn't hold them accountable for you. You're accountable for yourself. I'm accountable for myself. Israel's accountable for itself before the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're all accountable. But that does not change God's statements. It does not change God's declaration concerning Israel. And so, God is not a man that he would lie, is he? He keeps his word. God will keep his word. Humankind may not keep their words, but God will keep his word. And so he is going to bring forth out of all the trauma, out of all the attacks, out of all the declarations of war, he is going to bring forth a remnant. It's not a physical survival that he's talking about. It's a spiritual survival. Because in the process, Israel herself will be judged dramatically. All you have to do is read the book of Zechariah. What is it? Chapter 11. I think it is. Israel will be judged double for all her sins because to whom much is given, much more is required. But just think, if that be true of Israel, what would be true of the United States of America? Because within our country, we have the spirit of Hamas that has risen up against the God who made and preserved us a nation. Do you not see it? 
It's violence under cover of a suit. The people wear suits and appear not to be barbarians. But anyone who is outrageously and overtly against the God of creation is, by definition, from God's viewpoint, a barbarian. Because a barbarian is not controlled by God, his word, his will, and his ways. That leaves you a barbarian. You'll do what you want, whenever you want, however you want, to whomever you want, in whatever way you want. And that's what Hamas is doing today. What other Hamases do we have out there in our world, even in our country? We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Whether you realize it or not, whether we all realize it or not, this attack by Hamas on Israel is solidifying the mind, the heart of the Islamic world. Now, to be fair, there are probably many professing Muslims who are like so many so-called American Christians. They're Muslims, shall we say, by culture. But they do almost nothing in terms of following through on the so-called Muslim faith. They're not true Muslims, they're just cultural Muslims. Those people are not so much tied in with what we're talking about now. It's the true believers. Now, that having been said, sometimes there comes a point where push comes to shove and birds of a feather begin to flock together, and even though they were not formally violent in their outlook, suddenly embrace that which they perceive to be the necessary thing for those who call themselves Muslims. I will leave that up to them. But in the meantime, what is actually happening is the uniting of the Muslim world for the final great battle of history. You say, well, what is that final great battle? Are you talking about the Battle of Armageddon? Well, maybe ultimately, but what is actually happening now is the uniting of the great powers of the world for the final great conflagration, which 
may very well be that Battle of Armageddon. Because it talks about the kings of the north, uh, the kings of the east, and of the west, and they're going to come together, and they each have their agendas to become king of the mountain. You have Persia and Turkey, and then Indonesia, which is the largest Muslim country in the world. You have 20, 20% of Russia. You have all of the uh, Kazakhstan, Turkestan, all of those stands uh, there in Afghanistan and Iraq. You have all of these countries that are Muslim countries. They are being united in spirit and stirred up powerfully by this particular event. So whether or not Hamas intended this to be the consequence of what they're doing is not the point. It is the result of what they are doing. And God knows what the results are going to be. And he works and accomplishes his purposes through the machinations of humankind to accomplish and do his will. Therefore, when the Bible says that there is going to be this confrontation where the rulers of the world are going to amalgamate together, each for their own reasons and with their own uh, kind, so to speak, to rule and reign in the earth, what they are actually doing is becoming Satan's final tool for his rulership on the Temple Mount. That is what his declared intent is. He said, I will be like the Most High God. I will ascend to the heights of the north. Well, what that's talking about is the northern wall of the Temple Mount, ascend to the heights of the north, and he will sit on the throne of God in the mount of God that God already called his holy mountain, and that he also declared his own son was going to sit on in Psalm chapter 2. You might want to go back and read Psalm 2. God already put it in perspective. So what is happening now is the Islamic world is being united powerfully for the final setup, so to speak, of the amalgamation of the kings of the earth under Satan's dominion and authority to accomplish his agenda. Hamas may think it's accomplishing their agenda, but it's Satan who is accomplishing his agenda. Because one way or the other, he intends to rule, whether it's through Islam, whether it's through a Western One World Order, whether it's through uh, an Eastern uh, One World Order, an Asian One World Order, it doesn't matter. He will use one of them to accomplish his ultimate will to rule and reign from the Temple Mount. And that individual who will be selected to rule and reign will ultimately is one called the Antichrist, the Antichrist. But until then, the spirit of Antichrist, whether it's coming in the form of Islam, whether it's coming in the form of Western uh, rejection of God as creator and sustainer, whether it's coming in the form of Chinese uh, communism, 
It doesn't matter. They are all accomplishing Satan's will. And there's going to be an ultimate battle to settle the dispute. And finally, Christ himself is going to come for the Jewish people when their very existence is on the line, far more so than what we're seeing with Amos. And he, the Jewish people, will see their Messiah, their Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, come and deliver them. And at that time, and not until that time, will they look upon him whom they have pierced and weep for him as for their only son and will receive Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, as their true Savior and Deliverer. Through that remnant, God will fulfill his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And through Gentiles who have been grafted into the original olive tree, those of you who are listening now, who have actually dedicated your life to the kingdom of God and his righteousness, receiving Christ as your Savior, walking with him as Lord, living for him, and seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, we will all become part of that ultimate remnant of Israel. It's a glorious thing. But until then, things are not going to get better. As Benjamin Netanyahu noted, they're going to get worse. Therefore, he said, we must deliver, must, de- must uh, uh, destroy Hamas. The, the manifestation of this that's coming immediately against Israel, otherwise the entire world will suffer. He's right. Unfortunately, the United Nations has come out and called for a ceasefire. The nations of the earth don't care about Israel. They don't care about Israel. They use the Palestinian people, which Hamas is well uh, capable of facilitating, stirring them up like a cheerleader to get them to come out in favor of Israel. the Palestinians in and uh, disregard uh, Israel as uh, God's chosen people. They despise that. The UN is united against Israel, except for Israel and the U.S. So the U.S. and Israel voted against the resolution, which uh, failed to condemn Hamas for the October 7th attack. They refused. The UN refused to condemn Hamas. Now, before we go further, uh, many of you know about my book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. And what I was sharing with you just a few minutes ago is the general broad scope of that battle. And it's been happening, it's been in the process of being put in place for 6,000 years. We're right at the end of that period. And that's why things are intensifying the way they are. For the true follower of Jesus Christ who has spent any time whatsoever in the Bible, you need to know these things. You should have known these things. Maybe not all the details, but at least enough to where none of this should take you by surprise. 
Neither are these just uh, isolated skirmishes. On the other hand, this attack against Israel by Hamas is, comparatively speaking, a skirmish in the broader picture of things because it's going to overheat in a much more intense way before the end comes. The book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic and End Time Battle. It's a $20 book. It's uh, yours for $10, I believe it is, on our website. Check it out. It's either $10 or $15. Whatever it is, it's a deal. Uh, get your copy. You will not be unhappy that you that you got that. It's going to open your mind, open your heart to understand the greater picture that God has portrayed in his word, helping us to understand the dynamics so that it does not take us unawares and helps us to prepare in our own minds and hearts to become an overcomer, to stand in the evil day, how to triumph in troubled times, and to be uh, courageous and stand and to prepare our own hearts and lives and minds spiritually for ever-increasing difficult times and challenges, including massive persecution. If you think Hamas's attack on Israel and the Jewish people is by itself the end of the game, you are living in a fool's paradise. No, the goal is to destroy all Jews and all Christians. Jen Psaki's attitude toward the new Speaker of the House reveals that spirit. I'm not saying that she's Hamas. I'm saying that it's that spirit, that spirit that is out to persecute and destroy Jews and true followers of Jesus Christ. Get a copy of the book on the website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Well, Jews were put on virtual lockdown at Cornell University because of the threats that came against them. Uh, There are reports of religious persecution against Christians all over the world. As I write this uh, new book, uh, When Persecution Comes, it is overwhelming to me to see how every day more reports are coming 
not only around the world, but yes, indeed, in America. And so I ask that you pray for me as I continue to try to uh, translate what is happening so that you and I can be prepared. The purpose of this book is not just to lay out all the problems and uh, become sensationalistic about all of that. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to enable those who profess the name of Christ to take seriously what Jesus himself was going to take place, what Paul said was going to take place, what Peter said was going to take place, to take it seriously in our own lives so that you are not overcome. Because if you are not prepared, you will submit to the mark of the beast. You will. And that's the trajectory of American Christianity today. Weakness. Not able to stand. Not able to engage in spiritual warfare because we're not even understanding it. So, when you have a message at Cornell University plastered there at their dining hall, Allahu Akbar, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, glory to Hamas, liberation by any means necessary, and that's a liberal university, you know something's really going on. Then how about this report? Religious persecution has actually increased despite U.S. law. 25 years ago this month, a unanimous Congress passed the 1998 International Religious Freedom Act. It created a new office of the State Department, headed by an ambassador at large, with a mandate to condemn religious persecution and advance religious freedom in U.S. foreign policy. But at that time, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright resisted the law, arguing that religious freedom should not be given special treatment in U.S. diplomacy because they wanted to give advance, uh, shall we say, privilege to the Muslim world. And so, religious persecution is rampant and growing. Millions of Christian, Jewish, Muslim, and countless other religious minorities live in constant fear of persecution, including uh, unjust imprisonment, violent expulsion, torture, rape, kidnapping, and murder. The persecutors range from governments like China, Russia, and Iran to Islamist terrorists like Hamas and Hezbollah supported by Iran. But, as we have been revealing, religious persecution is rising dramatically in this country as revealed by this headline, Judge Reveals Shocking Level of Bigotry Against Christians. A Texas judge has sued the state's Commission on Judicial Conduct over the panel's decision to threaten her for adhering to her Christian beliefs in decisions regarding weddings. That's in Texas, friends. A federal, a Texas judge has sued the state's Commission on Judicial Conduct over that panel's decision to threaten for adhering to Christian beliefs and decisions regarding weddings. Because of her Christian beliefs, she would perform ceremonies for man and women couples 
and would refer same-sex duos to other to perform ceremonies, but that was not good enough. In Texas, friends. Then, this headline. Slaughtered in cold blood. The Muslim persecution of Christians during September of 2023 alone. This is a 12-page summary. Nigeria. On September 7th, Muslims torched a Catholic seminary. Two priests managed to escape. One who was on the verge of completing his priesthood training was burned alive. As the multi-year genocide of Christians continued, a September 1st report found that the 5,500 Christians who were killed in Nigeria last year because of their faith, 90%, 4,950, were Nigerian. On the 10th of September, on a Sunday, terrorists killed 10 Christians in the same province of Plateau State where 27 other Christians were killed in the previous month. On the same day, terrorists murdered a Christian couple, wounded several others, and abducted six people in Taraba State. On the 13th, gunmen kidnapped a pastor and two other Christians in uh, Joss East County. On the 15th, Muslim Fulani herdsmen killed 15 Christians and kidnapped 32. On the 20th, Fulani herdsmen raided a village killing one Christian and wounding three others, including a pastor. From the 19th to the 27th, Muslim terrorists slaughtered 16 Christians in a series of attacks throughout Kaduna State. On the 30th of September, 25 Christians, most of whom were members of a church choir, were abducted as they were on their way to attend a funeral. That's just in Nigeria, friends, last month. Then, in Mozambique, we have... 11 Christians were slaughtered by Islamic militants in cold blood. In Uganda, on September 6th, Muslim beat an evangelist to death for leading Muslims to Christ at an evangelistic event. In Pakistan, on September 6th, Horrors were experienced by Christians who rampaged, the the Muslims rampaged, uh, brought a false allegation of blasphemy, rioted and destroyed two dozen churches, hundreds of Christian homes, dislocated some 1,600 Christians. Hundreds rushed to the church and watched in horror from homes as they destroyed each part of the church with uh, mallets, sledgehammers, pickaxes, and Uh, and axes and other rods and wooden sticks. They piled up the Bibles and hymn books and set them on fire. In Uganda, on September 3rd, police announced that they had foiled a bomb attack on a cathedral. A Muslim man accused of trying to detonate an explosive in a crowd of worshipers was arrested. 
Indonesia. Oh, by the way, here's another one. In June, Islamic terrorists of the Allied Democrat Forces crossed the border from the Democrat Republic of Congo and massacred 40 people, including 37 students, in a gruesome school attack. It was Uganda's worst attack since twin bombings at Kapala in 2010 that killed 76 people in a strike claimed by the Somalia-based Al-Shabaab Muslim terror group. In Indonesia... On August 29th, a machete-wielding Muslim threatened to kill members of a house church. In Egypt, September 5th, a Muslim mob attacked a Coptic Christian man's property on false assumption that he was building a church. These reports are so voluminous, friends, that it's hard to go through and isolate them out uh, here on the air. They're lengthy reports. In France, on Sunday, September 17th, a Muslim migrant stormed into the Basilica of Notre Dame in Nice, where the 46-year-old Senegalese man interrupted morning mass, including by shouting Allah and other incoherent words. Afghanistan, September 3rd and again on the 13th. The Taliban raided the offices of a Swiss nonprofit group based in Afghanistan, detaining 18 workers, including one American, for alleged preaching Christianity. I just don't, I just don't have the heart to continue to go through so many of these, friends. They are so voluminous. Notice... The continued similarity, the connecting link between all of them, Islam. All of these are driven by the spirit of Hamas. Maybe not part of the official group identified as Hamas, but when we know that the word Hamas is the Hebrew word for violent or violence, what we see is that this is the spirit of Islam. Just last week, I had a nice conversation with a, uh, a Muslim young man. It was a great conversation. There was no animosity there at all. And he was very stirred up about what was happening in uh, Gaza. And I understand that. I understand why he felt that way. But he made the statement that all of this violence is not part of his religion. Well, unfortunately, he's wrong. We have had, over the years on this program, leading Muslim scholars. One who was actually a professor at the oldest Muslim university in the world, Al-Hazar, in Egypt. And they all confirmed that violence is indeed what Muhammad, in his uh, final surahs in the Quran, called for. You see, there are two aspects of the Quran. There's the first part where Muhammad was trying to curry favor with the Jews and Christians. When they refused to accept what he was talking about, 
Then he changed his tune, and the remaining surahs of the Quran called for killing the Jews wherever you could find them, and killing the Christians wherever you could find them, and bringing the rest of the world under Sharia law through a massive form of horrific taxation. That is what Muhammad called for. And that is what these true believers are engaging in to accomplish, to kill them wherever you find them. You can see then the tension between many, uh, which you might say, cultural Muslims that grew up as Muslims in a Muslim country and so on. It's understandable why they would uh, continue to follow uh, Islam, at least insofar as they claim to be Muslim. But those that we're looking at here, whether it's Hamas, whether we're talking about all of these Shabab there uh, in, in Africa and so on, these, friends, are the true believers. These are the ones that are really following Islam. And that's why they become the engines of violence and ultimately will be those who lead the Islamic world into its final confrontation with the Western world in its one world order and China and the Asian world in its effort to uh, rule and reign from the Temple Mount. Satan is working in all of these groups But for now, you and I must trust the Lord and be prepared to stand against evil and against those who would try to get us to change our confession. Jesus said, if you will not honor me before God, neither will I confess you before my Father. All right. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. You won't be uh, disgusted with it. You'll be happy with it. It's on our website, saveus.org. God bless and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.